You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our student pastor, Gabe Pecoraro. I am super excited for the message today, super excited to kick off the Christmas series that we are calling A Weary World Rejoices. And so we are talking about hope throughout this series, um, and I think it's gonna be really, really cool. But again, this weary world, we see this in the lyrics of O Holy Night, we see it in, honestly, so many people around us. And when we look at the Christmas story, we see it in the people that it's talking about in God's chosen people, the Jews and the Gentiles all around them. The world truly is weary. And where does weariness come from? Well, there's a lot of different places that it comes from. It, it could be that we are weary from striving after things. We're re- weary because there's a lack of purpose. We feel like we're moving, we're like an octopus on roller skates. There's so much happening, but there's no direction. Weariness could come from just being tired. Weariness could come from the fact that we have a world that's trying to doctor truth and we're trying to wade through it and figure out what the real truth is. Weariness can come from so many different places, but ultimately I believe in my heart of hearts that weariness comes down to either a lack thereof or a forgetfulness of hope. If you are lacking hope, or if you have forgotten your hope, you will be weary. You will be weary as you walk through life. And I think there's a really interesting story that talks about this. There's a a late John Hopkins professor named Kurt Richard who conducted a really pretty gruesome experience with rats. But we're gonna look at it and we're gonna talk about hope in it, okay? So what he did was he took a dozen domesticated rats. I don't know how you domesticate a rat, but he did. And he dropped them in a bucket of water and he timed how long they waited before they drowned. That's what he did. And then he took some wild rats who were known for their swimming abilities, their swimming capabilities, took them right off of the street. I guess that's what he went to New York, grabbed some rats. And then he dropped them in a bucket and he wanted to see how long they could go for. They only made it a couple of minutes before they drowned. And what Kurt Richer came to the conclusion with this experiment experiment was that the situation of these rats scarcely, scarcely seems one demanding fight or flight. It is rather one of hopelessness. The rats are in a situation against which they have no defense. They seem to literally give up. And that's what they did, right? He watched them wait. They could only make it a couple of minutes. Well, as he realized this, he decided that he was gonna add one more thing into this experiment. And he took some more rats, he dropped them in a bucket, And right before they were about to get up and they were about to drown, he pulled them out. He dried them off. He let them scurry around for a little bit. And then he dropped them back in the bucket. You wanna know what happened? The rats waited and waited and waited. There's a lot of different accounts of this experiment, but some of them say the rats literally waited for days. And what did Kurt Richer conclude from this? after elimination of hopelessness, the rats do not die. When the rats see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, somebody's gonna come and rescue me at some point, the rats can go onwards. 
I think that's interesting because James 1 consider, says, consider it pure joy when you face trials and testaments of many kind for the, for the testing of your faith will develop perse- perseverance, right? As Christians, we so often give up. Why? Because we're weary. And why are we weary? We've forgotten our hope. And so we're gonna be looking at hope in this series, A Weary World Rejoices. And our main verse as we go throughout this series is going to be Isaiah 9, 6. And this is what it says. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And today, we're going to be covering out of the four names of God that are mentioned in this, the wonderful counselor aspect of this. And so this word wonderful is a word Pele, which means incomprehensible, exceptional, marvelous, surpassing human thought. And counselor is counselor as we know it. Somebody who's a planner, a formulator of a plan of action, somebody who leads people through something, who empathizes and then is able to get on their level and encourage somebody through it, right? And so in Jesus, we see that we have a wonderful counselor, the incomprehensible, marvelous, unable to understand all of counselor. And each and every single one of us need him. But should you choose to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, each and every single one of us have him. So it's not a lack thereof. It's a forgetful spirit that we as Christians often find ourselves in hopeless situations because of. So today we will talk about that wonderful counselor. And there's a couple of attributes that I wanna cover with the wonderful counselor, how we can find hope in Jesus. And the first thing is our wonderful counselor orders all things. And I think that a lot of times we kind of understand the big words about God, that he's omniscient, he's omnipotent, he's all these things, right? But then we just don't really think about these things. But our God truly does order all things. And he had a plan from the beginning. And we're gonna go to Genesis three, verse 15. It says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And so in this verse, all of us know the story. There's Adam and there's Eve. And Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the forbidden tree. I might make you guys a little sad, but we don't think it was an apple. But they ate the the fruit of the forbidden tree and they were deceived by the serpent. And then they realize their eyes are open. They realize that they're naked and they hide. And then God which is, this is crazy to me, but God is walking around in the garden and he's looking for them. And then he's like, where are you? Where are you? And Adam and Eve, they're like, oh, we're here. We're hid behind these bushes because we're naked. And God's like, who told you that? Who told you that you were naked? And Adam, which honestly, men, we tend to do this. Adam is like, well, the woman decided to give me the apple and I just decided to eat it. And then God God is like, well, Adam, you're a ding dong. And then he goes to Eve and he's like, Eve, who deceived you? And Eve says the serpent. And I think so many times in my life, in our life, We go through life and we're afraid to consult the wonderful counselor 
because we think we have screwed up too much to be counseled. And our wonderful counselor will not be a wonderful counselor. He will be a militant disciplinarian. And that's what I think it is. But what does God do? The minute that Eve says the serpent deceives me, he was the one who deceived me. God cannot wait to give what is called the Proto-Evangelium, the very first gospel message in all of scripture. He doesn't ostracize and chastise Eve and Adam and then deal with Satan. He proclaims the destiny of Satan and then he disciplines Adam and Eve. And I think as Christians, we forget the order a lot of times because we serve a God who desires mercy over sacrifice. And so if you're not going to the wonderful counselor because you feel like you're too dirty, I'm here to tell you that that is not from God. That is not from God. The same God who can heal the man and give him ultimate, ultimate peace on the cross, the thief on the cross, the, the last minutes of his life, he chooses to believe. And Jesus says, surely today you will be with me in paradise. Is the same God who can see you in your faults, forgive you, and then counsel you through them, who desires mercy over sacrifice. God did not desire to discipline Adam and Eve before he told Satan of his destiny. Rather, he proclaimed the ultimate redemption of his people and then talked to Eve and Adam. Don't forget that order. Don't forget it. And so God gives this message. And what I love is that in the third chapter of scripture, God gives this message and God is not shy about his message of redemption because let's think about it. Adam and Eve at this point were the only people on earth, right? Yeah, there's not like a third person we're forgetting about. There's not like a kid Adam and Eve have that we don't know about. This wasn't like Real Housewives of Garden of Eden, right? No, this was not it, right? So Adam and Eve are the only people and God is walking through the garden, right? What I love about this message the third chapter of scripture, before any of us got here, before Adam and Eve ever even exited the garden, God gives a salvation message to all of humankind and to Satan. The truth of God is not a byproduct of events. It's not an accident. It's not happenstance. It's intentional. So God has ordered all things from Genesis 3. All things have been ordered by God. The same verse that we just talked about for this series, wonderful counselor, for a child is born to us, his son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. So this prophet, prophecy came hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born or lived or died or resurrected or any of that. God was intentional with letting his people know of the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace to come. 
And I think what's interesting about this is this is one of what a conservative number would be, 300 prophecies of Jesus before Jesus was born. Some people have gone all the way to like 540 prophecies, but there's a whole thing with trying to figure out, well, what if it's repeated in books and what if it's said a different way and all these things, right? So conservatively, there's 300 prophecies about God, about Jesus coming before he came, right? So, which is already crazy. Well, let me give you guys some statistics to talk about how God orders all things. So this is for all my math nerds or people who just wanna see me try and fumble over numbers. All right, so Peter Stoner, who's a way smarter math guy than me, cause I'm not, y'all are probably all smarter than me, but he's smarter than probably all y'all. So Peter Stoner says this, of the 300 prophecies, hypothetically, what are the chances of Jesus fulfilling eight of those prophecies? Just eight, all right? Well, it would be one and one with 17 zeros after it, chances. So I'm not gonna fumble that number. You just need to know it's one times 10, 17 power, right? So that's a lot of zeros, right? So that is cool, but that makes no sense to me. I need an example. Well, I'm glad you asked for that. So if we were to take the state of Texas, raise your hand if you're from Texas. Raise your hand if you know it's a big state though. That's like everybody. Everybody knows Texas is big. It's like everything's bigger in Texas, right? So if we were to take the whole state of Texas and we were to take silver dollars, we were to drop silver dollars in Texas and make them two feet deep. And then you take one of those one times 10, 17 silver dollars and you put a piece of tape on it. And then you take a gigantic mixer and you mix up all those coins. And then you take, uh, let's see, we take Adrian over here and we take Adrian and we drop him somewhere in Texas and tell him to find the coin we marked on the first try. That is the chances of Jesus fulfilling eight of the 300 prophecies. Our God orders all things. He orders all things. Do you guys know how long it would take to count to a trillion? I know Ellie does, because I told her this morning, but do you guys know? Well, let me tell you how long it would take. So it would take 31,688 years, 32 days, one hour, 46 minutes, and 40 seconds to count to a trillion, counting at one per second. Well, the probability of God fulfilling 48 of the prophecies of Jesus is one in a trillion, 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 trillion chances. So that's a lot of 31,688 years, 32 days, and all these minutes, right? What am I trying to tell you? This is not happenstance. Your wonderful counselor orders all things. So you are doing a disservice to yourself if you choose to let the world counsel you over our wonderful counselor. And here's the thing, this is a little tangent, this is free. But if you are not intentionally seeking the Father, the world will counsel you. It will, it doesn't matter what you do. You can have, if you guys ever notice that, and I've, I've had to bite my tongue several times because of this, because I'm just a ding dong. But have you guys ever noticed that you'll say something that's real stupid, you shouldn't have said it, and then the little toddler right there all of a sudden picks out of all the things that you said, that to repeat? Y'all ever notice that? 
They could, be, they could be doing anything. They could be the most invested and quiet that they have ever been in something in your whole life and you're praising God. And then the next thing you know, they repeat something. You're just like, where'd you learn that? Oh yeah, well that one time. It's like, well, you were busy then. You were literally at the neighbor's house. It doesn't matter, I heard it, right? What am I saying? That should you choose to get idle and stagnant and not watch what's coming in? the world will counsel you. So in order to be led by the wonderful counselor, you have to be intentional with seeking the wonderful counselor. And another promise of a God who orders all things is should you choose to seek, you will find him. The world is gonna scream. The world is gonna yell. But what do we know from scripture? It's not in the fire. It's not in the tornado. It's not in the hurricane. It's in the still small voice. What are you doing to clear the noise to seek the still small voice? What are you doing? And what I love at the end of this verse, Isaiah nine, verse seven, it says, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. It's the passionate commitment of our God that we have a wonderful counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, prince of peace. Because our God is passionately committed to being our ever-present help, that is why we have those things. That is why we have them. He is passionately committed to you. So stop doing yourself a disservice by saying, I'm too dirty to go to him. So that's number one, our God orders all things. Number two is our God uses people. We're gonna go to Luke chapter one and in verses 39 through 45 and it says this, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zachariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. So our wonderful counselor uses people to encourage us. And what do we see in this story? We see that Mary has just been told by Gabriel that she's pregnant with God's son, right, with Jesus, and Joseph didn't do it. So already there is some controversy here because I can guarantee you that Mary is starting to experience the things that I am now becoming more acquainted with, with somebody being pregnant, right? And so those are things that sometimes it's hard to hide, right? And so I'm sure that there were people in Mary's family and Joseph's family too, who were like, hey, so what were you guys doing to make this thing happen? And then Mary said, oh, well, it was God. Do you guys see how this could be kind of crazy? You see, you see what I'm saying? I need all y'all people who need to sit, like y'all gotta know that this stuff happened in the Bible. There was some real housewives drama happening, right? So this happened. And so what do we see in this story? That Mary leaves with haste to go to her relative Elizabeth, who, by the same God, is pregnant with John the Baptist. 
And so Elizabeth is old, Mary's young, and they're both pregnant. So who's gonna understand? Ah, Mary's gonna go to Elizabeth. Well, Mary then travels what most people think is 80 to 100 miles to her relative Elizabeth. So she really wanted to confide in Elizabeth. And what does Elizabeth do? Elizabeth's not all, she's not like, oh, bump them. They don't know what they're talking about, this and that and the other. She's like, what God told you was correct. And I am blessed to be graced with the, preg- with the, with the pregnant wife, with the pregnant woman who is holding our future Lord and Savior. So our wonderful counselor uses people to affirm the promises of God in your life. And this is what's interesting about this story is Mary goes to Elizabeth and her life has become drastically harder than what it used to be pre-pregnancy. And I think a lot of us think that when we start following Jesus, everything becomes easy. But sometimes the gift of God leads us into things that are hard. And people who seek Jesus like Elizabeth are not gonna say, oh, run from that. They're gonna say, continue to walk into it and continue to trust your wonderful counselor. So that begs the question, if you do everything in your life to stray from adversity, are you consulting the wonderful counselor regularly? So God used Elizabeth to encourage Mary in her moment of hardship. God uses people. He uses godly counselors. We see in Proverbs that there is safety and wisdom in a multitude of counselors. He uses people to encourage us. And the last thing our wonderful counselor has done is he has given us an advocate. John 16 says this, but now I am going away to the one who sent me And not one of you is asking me where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He'll tell you about the future, He'll bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So the disciples in this moment have experienced the physical person of Jesus, which is an experience that none of us have ever had before. And I am sure that if I'm a disciple and Jesus is telling me he's about to go away, I'm gonna be upset. I don't want this man to go. He's been, he's been so, he's been with me. I've experienced him do miracle after miracle after miracle. I've experienced him heal people. I don't want him to leave. And Jesus is actually saying it's better if I go. Why? Because the person of Jesus no longer is confined to time and space, but is now in the hearts of all who choose to believe in him. And so it's actually better that I go so that the Holy Spirit may come. And we serve a triune God. That is three persons in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, right? And so it is better that I come so that the Spirit may be with you. And so our wonderful counselor has given us an advocate who is with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us, a name of God, right? And again, 
If we don't choose to seek that wonderful counselor, we're not gonna find him. So our wonderful counselor has given us an advocate. But I think it's interesting, let's go back. We talk about other people. It's important to examine the fact that Elizabeth confirmed the words that Mary was spoken to by Gabriel. Godly people in your life should confirm what the Holy Spirit puts on your heart. And so if you're going around saying, oh, the Holy Spirit told me to do this, the Holy Spirit told me to do that, you're justifying you say, what you're doing by saying the Holy Spirit told me to do it and your godly counsel is saying this is a bad idea, then you're probably not consulting the same Holy Spirit. But again, our advocate has been given to us by our wonderful counselor. And what I love about this is Hebrew 4 says this. So then since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And so this advocate, what I love is that pre-Jesus, the priests were the ones who consulted God on behalf of the people, right? And there was a lot of rituals that came with that because being in the presence of God is a dangerous thing because God is pure and holy and we are not. And so there was a lot of rituals that had to be done before the priests could consult God on the one day, the day, and that is what had to be done. Yet now, because of Jesus, because of his life, his death, his resurrection, the veil has been torn and we now have a high priest, Jesus, who goes to God on our behalf. And because Jesus has given us his Holy Spirit, we now have access to the Father that was not granted to the people who came before us and before Jesus. And what is amazing about this high priest is because Jesus came in the form of a man, because Jesus was born to Mary, because Jesus was born in not great circumstances, because Jesus experienced death, he experienced the death of a friend in Lazarus, he experienced the fact that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown, his own family was not cool with him, and honestly, he probably had that grandma the whole time he was alive who thought he came out of wedlock. And all of these things, right, Jesus experienced the same things that we go through, yet he experienced them even more fully than we do because oftentimes we sin and he did not. So our high priest is not one who is unable to empathize with us, yet he is one who walked through it, understands it, yet fulfilled it. And because of that, we can come boldly to him recognizing and understanding that he understands. He understands what I'm going through when I have this family drama happening and honestly, I don't know what to do. Well, Jesus had no honor with his family. He understands the fact that I just had a loved one die and I don't know how to cope. Well, the scripture that you all know, Jesus wept. Jesus understands. And because of his life, death, and resurrection, we have the Holy Spirit 
and advocate with us. Who is God? Who is Jesus? Three and one. So our wonderful counselor, he orders all things. He uses people and he gives us an advocate. And so how do we, how do we hope in this wonderful counselor? What is the practical way that we can do this? When I feel hopeless in life, how do I remind my soul of my wonderful counselor? Well, practically speaking, I think these are three great steps. First step, remember his resume. Look at his resume. Look at his resume. You have an entire book of things that he's done. And I guarantee you that you have an entire life of things that he's done should you choose to look. One of my favorite phrases, you guys have heard me say it, I probably sound like a broken record. God is often doing 10,000 things and we're lucky if we see three of them. Look at your life. Stop telling me, oh, I got bad on my luck. How about you look at your life and recognize that God has been faithful? And how about you recognize that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So sometimes we only see a puzzle piece and he sees the whole puzzle. So stop complaining about how you're down on your luck when your God understands and knows. Go to your wonderful counselor. Look at his resume. If I'm gonna have work done at my house, I'm gonna consult somebody who knows what they're doing, right? If I'm gonna try and get better at some, something, I'm gonna consult somebody who knows what they're doing, right? Stop consulting the world whose results are suicide, depression, anxiety, and start consulting your wonderful counselor whose results are peace, whose results are mighty, whose results that surpass all understanding. Just look at his resume. The next thing that you need to do, you need to listen to his people. Listen to his people because there's safety in a multitude of counselors, godly counselors. So surround yourself with people who are gonna speak life, who consult the wonderful counselor themselves because all truth is God's truth. So if they're not hearing it from God, who are they hearing it from? And the last thing is you need to trust in his promise. Trust in his promise of the Holy Spirit, our advocate, our paraclete, but also trust in the promise of the past's fulfillment, the ever-present help today, in the future kingdom to come of an everlasting father, a mighty God, a prince of peace, and a wonderful counselor. Let me pray with you guys today. Lord, you are so good and you are worthy to be praised. Would you remind our souls this day of who you are? And I pray that as we leave, we would be impacted and changed by the truth of who you are, the truth of your scripture, and we would be able to show that to others. I thank you for this day and for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building His kingdom at therenovation.church.